as surfers, we have a natural love for the ocean, being in the water and chasing thrills. Surfing and surf culture is at the core of Loose. We are a brand made for all-day thrill seekers, experience makers, and good time chasers. Inspired by the elements of surf that excite us the most, we create products begging for adventure, both into the water and out of the water. There's no stamp of approval needed to vibe with our tribe. So drop your inhibitions and get loose because fun feels better. Loose towels. Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack. Customized, eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, EarthPack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. ColbyPlus.com is a new brand from a very experienced crew in the wetsuit and surf industry. An independently owned and family run business. All of their products are made with the best in the world materials and they only sell direct. So you're getting a top of the line product for much less. Their wetsuit line, Colby Plus Yamamoto uses Yamamoto number 39 and number 40 neoprene propriety jersey and what we believe is the best and most functional design and construction available. Their line of waterproof bags Colby Plus T-Zip feature completely water and airtight German-made T-Zip zippers. They have a tight line of traction and leashes and will have board shorts on the way in the spring featuring Swiss engineered shoulder fabric. They are currently shipping orders to the US, Canada and Australia. For you Aussies and Canadians, unfortunately, the shipping isn't free. ColbyPlus.com, Finless Skateboard Company. To honor our predecessors of surf shapers, we wanted to make sure that our skateboards were completely handmade, made of solid wood, and that the designs, the line work, and aesthetics of our boards are unique to each deck we create. No heat transfers, no stickers, except for our logo. The whole board is made of carefully assembled different species of wood with cores of hard maple and top and bottom sheets carefully assembled with various types of wood species to give our board 
Gardens, the look of a classic 1950s surfboard. Handcrafted is human, handcrafted is thoughtful, handcrafted is quality, handcrafted is community. Finless Skateboard Company. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Our guest this week, photographer, filmer, editor, writer, surfer, I don't know, jack of all trades over here. He got into photography at an early age of 12, combining that with love and passion for surfing, traveling, and the urge for adventure. He's been scoring and documenting his journeys ever since. Did you say journalist? Journalist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. All of the above. <laughs> Writer. Right? Journalist? Yeah. 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 Okay. Isn't that what writing is? But kind of, but... Well, it's, it's the appropriate word. Okay. Writer. Yeah. Journalist. Journalist. Yeah. <laughs> Documenting his adventures. Let's go. And scoring and charging. We welcome the talented, hard charging Mr. Nate, Nate Dog Zoller. Woo! For the interruption on that barn. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. Good to see you, man. Thank you. Nice meeting you. Dude. Cheers. So, for the listeners, I met Nate last year at the Neon Wave Fall Bash, yep. which they put on every year, yep. which I've missed a couple years. And then how long have you been writing for him now? Since 2020. So yeah, fourth year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. And they are one of our sponsors. Uh, they're, they're part of our team too. So yeah, stoked to finally have you on. We've been working on this for a little bit, but, um, yeah, but yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Stoked. Excited. So let's start at the beginning, Nate Dog. Yep. Laguna boy. Yeah. Born and raised Laguna. Yeah. Those, uh. It's not a bad place to grow up. I know. Luckily, my parents ended up there. My dad's actually from Mexico City. Mexico City? Yeah, my dad's okay. side of the family. And so he drove VW bus from Mexico City to Laguna. With and the last name like Zola? Yeah. So hit, my grandparents moved to Mexico City um, like around the World War II. My dad was a boomer. And uh, so he grew up there. And uh, ended up going to college um, in the U.S. and kind of like migrated over to the West Coast. And um, my mom grew up in Mission Viejo. She was always at the beach in Laguna. They met at the beach. And um, yeah, my brother and I were lucky enough that we got to grow up in Laguna. You yeah. know, just luck of the draw. Yeah. So your your dad's, were they, were they originally from Europe? No, they're from uh, like New York, oh, uh, wow. Brooklyn, my grandma, and so. And they uh, ended up in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico, Mexico City, City uh, which is gnarly. Yeah, big city in the middle of nowhere. Like yeah. it's yeah, yeah, middle of this country. Yeah, and so my grandpa saw an opportunity, took a job, and uh, ended up working out. It's a pretty crazy story. He. Um, he won the lottery in Mexico City. Yeah, like literally. And used the money from the lottery to open a button factory in Mexico City. And this is, you know, when buttons were everything. Zippers weren't really around yet. And so uh, wow, that was like, you know, he did well with that and was able to, you know, raise my, my dad and, and his two siblings. And um, That's fucking super interesting. So yeah. he made enough... To not like retire or just wanted to do something, you know? Uh, it mean, was like a small, it was like, you know, 
enough think it was like to start a business. grand or something. But back then, that's a ton. But like you know, not enough to retire for. Because everybody I mean, thinks you know, you win the lottery, lottery oh, you're done. Yeah, for yeah life. Like, it doesn't yeah. always happen. That's why I was asking because right. it's you know, it was like a Mexico City lottery type thing. So I don't. It wasn't <laughs> like you know, you're winning the mega mega millions here, but um, it was enough to you know Seed leave his, his job and start his business and create that. So. Um, did you meet ever meet your grandpa or yeah yeah we got okay. to go to the factory and it was like what yeah he still got it or he still had uh, it? it's still around yeah my uncle runs it and uh but i remember going when i was like a little kid and, and the smell like just the gnarly chemical smell resin cheers. oh dude yeah and, and um my dad used to clean out vats with like lacquer thinner no mask like just no regulations back in the day so it was like no osha down there no, <laughs> they would go to Acapulco and stuff on their vacation. Just take a take a long drive and uh, yeah. So how, I, how cool! Like yeah, yeah. how different. Yeah. Now, was your grandpa in that business or? Um, I'm not quite sure. I think he he kind of like had the idea and and kind of ran with it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like how um, my dad was able to. And was your dad born in Mexico? Or he was born was in he... Mexico City. Oh, wow. And uh, he ended up going to prep school in Connecticut. And that's kind of how he kind of developed his... Um... Education and... Yeah. Yeah. And okay. he became like well-educated. He went to Stanford and... Um... Damn. Yeah. So he like... Smart made it. Over here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where, did you guys um, learn Spanish and stuff? Like you're, um, I mean, you're born in America, but like you're... Yeah. You're... Like... Parents. Unfortunately, I didn't learn like fluent. Like he would be speaking on the phone, like slang Spanish, and so it was like hard to kind of pick up. But I know enough to like you know get around in Mexico mm. and stuff. Um, but yeah, I wish we would have been down there more. You know, we visited here and there, but it wasn't yeah. like we were there every. What a cool, it's cool to have roots though. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, have, yeah. And you've been to Mexico City, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. A handful of times. Have you been to Mexico City? Just the airport. I've. I actually spent a couple of days in Mexico City and was blown away yeah. on how big it is, one, mm-hmm. and two, how crowded it is, yeah. and then how, like, metropolitan it yeah. is. And it's killer. It's up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. a big base, like a lake basin in the middle of the mountains, like, huge. Yeah. But it's like Europe. Like, uh-huh. it's really yeah. European. Yeah. Um, there's parts that I went to, I was like, wait, where are we? Like, this feels like a, <laughs> yeah. you know, city that you would go into, oh, yeah. like, Old and Spain break, or, yeah. you know, Italy or something. Yeah, as a little kid, it just was so mind-boggling how different it was. Yeah. From and there's subways there. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? There's subways in Mexico City? <laughs> yeah. In Guadalajara? I was yeah. like, I went to Guadalajara, too, and I was like, man, how, you know, yeah. pretty but old. Yeah. Like, super old. And, you know, it looked like <clears throat> when you look at old b- books and stuff and you see, like, the court courtyards and, and, and the weird where bands used to play mm. in, the, in the park. Mm. And they'd have, like, carousel-looking, you know, places. You're like, wow, we're in Mexico. And it looks like old America. Yeah. What you would think old America used yeah. to look like. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a trip. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay, so... Your parents relocated to the U.S. and ended up in Laguna Beach. Yep, yep. And, and how then, did you find surfing? So I grew up at the beach. My parents both loved the, the beach, so I was lucky enough since, I mean, I was born at Hogue Hospital, and my mom tells me that 
on the way back from the hospital to the house, she stopped at the beach and showed me the ocean. And so, <laughs> literally, since I was like, you know, didn't even have a conscience. I, uh, a couple days old. Yeah. I was like looking at the ocean like, whoa. And so, um, just like boogie boarding, junior lifeguards, and then uh, got into skimboarding because Laguna is like the skimboard mecca. Yeah. So, I think I was like seven or six or seven when I got my first board, skimboarding. You started just, off skimboarding? Yeah, because like, it was like boogie boarding. You're just in the shore pound, and you're so little that like surfing is so scary when you're that little. Yeah, I mean, you could dodge the gnarly shore break. Yeah, exactly. Skimboarding, yeah. you're like getting your balance figured out, just sliding around, getting wa- wa- worked by like the, uh, the like wash. total shore break in Laguna is gnarly. And yeah. so um, just earn my like stripes, kind of just getting pounded in the shore break. And, and then skimboarding became like, my whole deal, um, my brother and I were just super into it. And uh, Is your brother older than you? Yeah, my brother's 21 months older. Oh, and So shit, we're always it. really clo- close and yeah. like, have the same interests and super lucky to, to have that. But um, my skateboarding's mom, big in Laguna, like, yeah. just, like we're saying. Yeah, it's like the where it started. Yeah, so, but even Huntington didn't have like the, the crazy shore breaking beaches, but we grew a, up skimboarding. Yeah, like, yeah. When you're at that age group, like we all roll down with boogie board, skimboard, surf, like yeah. anything, like, anything, just to have some fun at the beach, and that's kind of what it was to start. And um, but for whatever reason, there it's the mecca. The kids it's there. really steep. We have steep beaches, and the way the rocks are formed, like we got side washes, we got these wedges, and it's like the surfing's okay, but the skimboarding's really yeah. good. So you're like, so okay, who was it? Brad Donkey that's from? Or no. No, he's Florida. We got Bill Bryan and George Bryan. Bill was like at the height of his powers when I was, you know, starting. So it was like, oh my God, he was like the Kelly. Yeah. Like, but like at your home break. Yeah. And you're just sitting there like, whoa, I want to do that. And he put on events and everything, right? Yeah. There was like. He took skimboarding to the next level. He was like cool enough to have like Grom events. And then um, they had the world championships at at Aliso Beach. Um, And I was like on it like amateur you know like so you got won, like, fully into it yeah i think i won like five amateur did championships. you compete against uh blair blair's a little younger so he was a different division okay. he was like i remember he was like this little little kid he grew up on the beach and like i would see him and he was so little um he just kind of knew that he was gonna be that good yeah um but it was cool because i like uh, my mom had some friends my mom was actually friends with uh tucker hall's wife tucker started volcom and so he was one of the founders with um with woolly mm-hmm. and so i was like seven eight years old wearing volcom clothes in like you know elementary school and um i was just like hand-me-downs or, or sponsored no just like little hand-me-downs yeah. family d- deal and yeah. uh just their early early days um and then i remember we got like hooked up with my brother and i got these like six oh like you know, second hand boards from one of his friends or something. <laughs> and so it was what, like what skimboards. Were you riding? I was riding Victoria skimboards. Nice. At local. the time. Yeah. And, uh, wood ones or foamies, uh, start on a wood one and I got foamy. And that was like when you kind of make the progression. Yeah. Um, and then kind of transitioned into surfing. I remember for, like the first for the day. listeners, let's talk about Victoria and skimboards, right? Yeah. Like they are it. When I worked at HSS and, and the shops like Victoria skimboards were the deal. The the best skimboards out there. They were kind of yeah. only the only ones really. Yeah, they I'm almost sure had there like was, a there was other brands, but they're like Victoria commercial. Was, yeah. But like 
and you you your entry level one was like the wood yep. and then it had lacquer on top yeah and the wood ones are great for like just sliding on the sand and you're just flying across the sand so that's like entry level you get to learn how to drop it and slide and the balance and everything but there's a there's a, a ceiling to that you know mm-hmm. and once you want to start going out across the water and hitting the waves you kind of need a foam board yeah and then there and then you get past that and it's like you know the um carbon epoxy and they're super thin they're like five eighths to three quarters of an inch thick and they're almost unbreakable i've never broken one but people do break them yeah but they're just so rad they're like these flying saucers and and crazy pop crazy pop and and like i grew up at doing it so young that it was like second nature the run drop slide thing so i got you know it was like learning a language at a young age you just kind of like pick it up yeah and so my brother and i were super into it and it was so fun to develop and and get better because it helped me develop later on into my surfing yeah yeah what what beaches because you know there's all these little nukes and crannies and coves and like is there a progression of like hey this is where you go to learn yeah you know like main beach say you know like you know it's nice and easy but it does get short break and do you is yeah you know where's the there's thalia beach which is like the mecca for kids like you go to thalia to hang out with your friends my parents would drop us off like 10 years old all day sun up to sundown like hanging out with kids it's mellower shore break um it's not as steep so it's kind of like you're like learning your your rhythm and then but you could surf skim you, you could almost surf do everything and you, skim yeah. in the same day so you, and you got all your stuff down there circle k's right there <laughs> <laughs> and like you're just being a kid and it was so fun and then um once you develop your skimming like i would say south laguna is like the mecca of like the gnarlier stuff yeah. like aliso beach. not surfable just straight oh aliso is like why am i a short yeah. break like gnarly kind of crag like like almost like thick sand like where it's almost rocky it's where you get like a little bit beat up if you fall um and then there's like you know west street beach which when i was growing up was like one of the premier spots the sands kind of eroded there i i it's kind of like cycles of sand movement in laguna because Changes, of yeah whether or not there's a ton of hurricanes that summer or there's a ton of west swells that winter, the waves change. Um, and so then there's like 9th Street, 10th Street, which is like Thousand Steps, which was like the OG Brian Bros. You know, there's like tons of footage from back in the day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like the, the the multitude of spots. There's there's like every day you can find a wave skimming. So Yeah. yeah. It's a trip because, you know, we're surfers, and skimboarding, we didn't really. You did it as a kid, yeah. But you didn't really pay attention to it, mm, no. And now there's so much more. It's with you know with YouTube and Instagram and all that with Blair, and and like that Austin Keen guy. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. lot of gnarly, yeah, skimboarding that is is popped up, right? Yeah. And, and it, so when you were younger, and you know you were talking about run throw. I, I run, forget. drop, slide. Run, drop, slide. Yeah, that's kind of the basics. That's kind of the basics. And, and when you start seeing them go from the sand and then fucking catch the whitewash into a wave, uh-huh. like that's the that's the uh, peak of, of like, yeah, right? Like when you can start doing that, you're kind of like, whoa, you're, you're oh, legit. Like, 
it's like the pinnacle of skimboarding, I would say, is like, you know, say for instance, the wedge um, early season, it'll be like, you know, you're, you're catching the sidewash off of the jetty. Yeah. And then you're getting out to waves where people are paddling <laughs> on surfboards. <laughs> and next thing you know, you're like out the back. And you're you're backdooring the wedge, yeah. so it's now like you're surfing. Do you do and that? Then you're surfing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks so fun. Yeah, it looks so fun. Yeah, and it's, it seems like because we skate, we you know we surf. Yeah. Like it looks like fuck. That looks easy, you know. Finless though, you got to know your rails yeah. really well. You you you're gonna have to practice it for uh-huh. quite a bit and get it. You know, get the the gist of it. But the way they do it, especially like. Like Blair, yeah. Like, oh, he's dude. like the John John of skimming now. He's the John John of skimboarding. Yeah. yeah, he's taking it to like another level with style and precision and all that. You know, it's like really cool to see. Super yeah. technical, yeah, yeah, smooth as far as like style, uh-huh. but then technical when they're launching, like, yeah, skate moves. What, yeah, what he we've had him on the podcast too, and what he's done in. At Palm Springs Surf Club, mm. you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's like seeing the wave in a different way than just a surfer would, you know? Yeah. You're coming at the wave at a different angle. You don't have the friction. You can do stuff that kind of blows surfers' minds yeah. because it's like, what? Like, I can't even imagine that, you know? Like, But at the same time, it for me, I reached a ceiling with my skimboarding where... I was like, this is as barreled as I'll get. This is, you know, the best rat barrel I'll ever do. Stuff like that. So I was like, okay, that's when I started wanting to surf more. Um, I think 12, 11, 12, I was like doing both a lot. And then as I started to develop um, probably into like 13 is when I was like, okay, I want to be a surfer. Like I love skimboarding. I'm going to keep skimboarding. But I want to get a big barrel. I want to get a long barrel. I want to get spit out of a barrel. Yeah. And it's the, hard to do skimboarding. Yeah. The, and, and what you guys do, what skimboarders do when they do catch that wave and then they like whip around and then get barreled and yep. come out, you're like, fuck, that looks, that looks fun. It looks so, so fun. That looks but, gnarly but like and fun. You, you're, like you maximize what you could do. Like you're getting a quick barrel and yeah. you're just getting blown yeah. out or maybe you're doggy dooring or oh, whatever. Yeah. But like... Yeah, your next level is like I want to get a proper barrel and pump in the barrel. Yeah, and I and I hate to piss people off, but surfers are way more cooler than skimboarders because <laughs> they are. Well, there was really cool surfers from Laguna, and I was looking up to guys like John Rose and Hans Hagen and Jeff Booth, and you know, there's a list of surfers that come from Laguna, and I'd see them every day. You didn't like Brandy Faber. Brandy was no. Brandy was actually one of the guys that helped me develop and you know I'm sure get sponsors and he was super instrumental in my whole surf career. So did did you ever get sponsored for skimboarding? Yeah, so I was on Victoria skimboards. Sick. Yeah, yeah, for years. And, uh, and what does that entail? Like free boards. That's so yeah, fucking, yeah. So which like, when you get to the foamies or the the the, the coxies, yeah. yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, like oh, a real yeah. board. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think from what I remember, the wooden ones were like eighty to hundred bucks, something like that. At retail. The wood yeah. ones are yeah around <clears throat> that, and then the the carbon epoxies the, get up to like three four hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like a cheaper surfboard. So but. you were doing competition on that? Yeah, yeah. I would go up to like, they had a contest in Ventura at Deer Creek. So it's like me and my buddies and our parents would drive us up. We'd stay up there. And 
and then there would be contests, um, Aliso, West Street. Um, it was super, super grassroots, you know? Yeah. The Victoria contest at Aliso Beach was like the pinnacle. Yeah. And that's where like... Hundreds and hundreds of kids would do it, right? Oh, yeah. Tons of kids. A lot of com- competitors. Tons of pros. And um, yeah, I was super competitive at it, at, you know, at a young age. So I was like... Um, it was rad, you know. I ended up winning, a, you know, a handful of them, and and it was like, that was when I was like, guys are like, oh, you got to go pro and stuff. But um, I remember just like wanting to surf so bad that I kind of like lost the drive to keep progressing. Progressing, like I feel like I I was good enough to where I was like, I want to get better at surfing. Like I want to skate a little bit, but like skating was always kind of a fun side thing, and then I would just I would I would get kind of like you know, obviously injured and stuff. And so I had to pull back on that. And then surfing was kind of a happy medium where it was like, you know, it's like kind of the best of both worlds, like skating and skimboarding, but you know, you can do it around the world. Yeah. Yeah. I always try on like, if you're a pro skimboarder, you're cutting down killer wedge, like sideways, you know, the whole different deal than what, you know, we're looking at surfers to go travel to, you know, you're like, yeah, I remember Lover's Beach in Cabo, you oh, know, yeah. I had that, that was like, one of the meccas. sick, like, wet, like, there, or out in front of El Presidente and stuff. That, that fucking shore break was nuts. Yeah. Cabo shore break. Yeah. Is, like, nothing to mess with. There's that, a Cabo contest as well at I, Lover's. Yeah, there's yeah. a really, I mean, that's a, a destination where you bring your whole quiver up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you got sponsored by Victoria. Were you getting sponsored for skimboarding for other brands or Um, I mean, companies? it was pretty small. I mean, it was kind of like Victoria's all that kind of I was needed at the time. Yeah. I, you know, just parents and Victoria, yeah. basically, and just down yeah. at the beach, like, loving it. And um, there wasn't quite, like, a path like there is in surfing. Like, I want to be fuck, Kelly. Yeah. Like, Beaker was actually in the championship surfer video game, the O'Neill video game that came out, like, when I was a kid. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, but that was, like, the pinnacle. And, like, he had done so much at that point and um so that's kind of when i shifted my focus a little bit to surfing and i was like oh i want to get sponsored for surfing yeah and there was hot surfers coming from laguna beach at that time and you're looking up to like you said hans hagen yeah brandy faber um john rose all those guys were in the mags yeah so it definitely you know yeah probably uh, Pete, your interest. I'll be surfing with them at Thalia, you know, tight little spots, a little reef break, and just hear them talking. I'm just a little kid, like, kind of, like, <laughs> eavesdropping, and, like, they're so cool, you know? I was like, oh, I want to be like them, you know? They're, like, traveling the world, sponsoring. Yeah, they were getting a lot of photos in the magazine. Yeah. yeah. They were hustlers. Dude, yeah. and they had all Man. the... Rip. Hans rode for Quick. Mm-hmm. He's riding Xanadu's. John Rose was Quick. Rick. He was on Nixon. John Rose actually got me sponsored by Quicksilver. Nice. And that was like my first sponsored sponsor. Sick. And so that's kind of where I was like, I was probably 13. And uh, that was where it all started. And I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah. yeah. So what, um, how did you, did you have to put together a portfolio or? Uh, it was kind of like, it was funny because I had heard John talking about it and he was like i need like quick wants me to get a laguna kid and i was kind of like put me in coach you know kind of deal where i was like hey you know over here 
And we had surfed together enough where he had seen me surf, and he was like, he kind of put in a good word. Sick. Um, and it kind of just snowballed from there. And, and were you, because he was Laguna Surfing Sport, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was everybody rode for Laguna Surfing Sport? Oh, yeah, it was like the hub, you know, I'd go in there, and um, every pretty much every surfer that's come out of Laguna's worked there at a certain point in their life. Yeah. And so, just hanging out there, it's like, it's like kind of clubhouse. The, the clubhouse of Laguna. So yeah. Yeah, we, we always, you know, what everybody had that shop or shops mm-hmm. that you would mm-hmm. hang out with like you know to and from surf go eat lunch just get out of the sun go hang out yeah usually yeah. there's there's chicks hanging out you know like it's it's kind of like the core of surfing yeah you know at the end of the day the temples of stoke but they're the yeah. ones that yeah. kind of connect you with brands and and try to get on the flow and mm-hmm. you know as you get better you get sponsored yeah. and yeah it's so important yeah. you know to have that connection so 13 yeah um you did were you surfing contests already? Surf contests? Yeah, I was doing like USSF and NSSA contests. I started mm-hmm. to do them around 13. And uh, just with, luckily I had a good friend, uh, Raya Arthur, who was same age. And we were both into the same path. And so we were both like going to contests together every weekend and trying to get better and stuff. So it was, it was pretty rad. Yeah. Where would be your like go-to like before or after school spot? Thalia, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah, if it was breaking. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't break every day, like, yeah. you know, Huntington and other spots. But uh, we had Salt Creek right down the road. So that was kind of like, Fall if you can get, if you can get a ride. Yeah. But most of the days, it's like, you, you know, if it's not breaking for surfing or skimboarding, and that's kind of like where it, you know, th- they go kind of hand in hand and, and stuff. So like certain tricks, like I remember learning backside airs on a skimboard when I was like 11. And... You know, back then, kids weren't really doing that surfing quite that much. And then I remember, like, my first backside air I tried on a surfboard, it was, like, pretty close. I'm like, whoa, okay. Like, so that's when I was like, oh, these can transition. Like, you can do one, and it can turn over to the other. Um, I would say flow is is hard to transfer because it's, like, they're kind of two different feelings. But, like, I would say techier stuff. But timing, knowing when when to hit the lip and, like, how to... You know, angles, angle, like go through and where to, you know, like it's a lot of similarities on the, yeah, the air side. Skimboarding, you could try the same trick 30 times in an hour. Wow. Because it's like skating, you know, yeah. you just kind of like keep it going. <laughs> surfing, so you gotta, yeah. surfing, you got to wait yeah. for the wave and then the wave dictates, am I going to do an air? Am I going to do a cutback? Like, and so, yeah. That's a really interesting point because the, the shore break is always the same, right? Like... Almost, there's different angles that it comes in. Yeah, but it it can be six inches, and you could be launching airs. You don't yeah. need that much. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. almost like a, the same fucking thing. Mm. You're yeah. going out to a closeout essentially versus yeah. trying to in the surf lineup find a corner that like projects you down the line. Yeah, because and- when you're surfing, <laughs> yeah. you're like you're not always paddling or dropping in in the same spot. No, and yeah. you're not going the same speed. Like uh-huh. there's so many different variables to setting up a trick where mm-hmm. skimboarding it's like you know you 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 kind of like know where you where you're going and you're gonna hit it yeah. always breaks at the same spot practically usually yeah, yeah. you kind of have to like run a little bit across the beach and kind of find where the wedge is coming so that's when it comes down to like eyeing it out yeah a little bit yeah but uh yeah i mean that's kind of where i learned how to like angle turns and errors yeah. and stuff and then yeah. skateboarding is such a enhancer for surfers too mm. like 
Some that of that the weightless best. feeling, the transfers, yeah. the vertical, like, so, yeah. So yeah. it's funny because skateboarding, I did a lot, but it didn't transfer because I, I skateboard goofy and I surf regular. No way. So I <laughs> surf and skim regular and I snowboard and skate goofy. And my brother's the same way. It's totally random. Yeah, I don't know. Are you lefty? No, I'm a righty. But my first ever photo of me, one of the first day I surfed at Santa, I was like eight or nine. I was a goofy foot in the photo. And then I remember I didn't surf for like a year or two. I was like skimboarding and I didn't remember what I was. I was so little. And I just like started going regular. And then I was like, okay, I'm regular. And I was like. Wait, you skim and surf regular? Yeah. And skate? Snowboard goofy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can like surf switch. I can snowboard switch. But, you know, it's not the same, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's it's. That's that a trip. Yeah. yeah I, I remember my daughter. She, she's the same thing, you know, like push on a skateboard regular and then snowboarding got her snowboarding really young. And she was just like not really getting the S turns right or whatever. And it was like a year later. I'm like. I'm like, I think we need to set you up goofy. And we set up goofy and she started just fucking ripping. And I'm wow. like, yeah. whoa, that's so weird. Because yeah. she'll surf like just one or the other. Yeah, yeah. that's a trip. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a lefty and I, I, I'm so regular. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like. Not everyone's the odd. same. <laughs> so, um, was your brother uh, it's trying, trying to do the same thing too? Yeah. So we were like surfing. You guys both get. Quicksilver sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny actually. My brother, um, he's a filmmaker and photographer, so he was developing that even at that young age. So he would film or shoot and surf. Um, but I just had, I think I just had more of like a gift. No, no, he's good. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know. I just really wanted it from an early age. I just like yeah. wanted to get better every day. And like I remember watching hit and run and stuff and being like, holy shit. So you looked at me? But like, for instance, just for our listeners, if they don't catch you. Were you a hit and run? Were you a hit and run? Like, you know, listening to like Keith, I I think it was like Keith Malloy's section where he's like, I grew up in like a tiny town and you know, if I could be a pro surfer, anybody can be a pro surfer. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, let's go to the beach. I want to surf. And it was like, tiny and whatever and i just wanted to surf so bad yeah and so it's like i think you just kind of have to have that in you yeah a little bit to to develop that and you know where you grew up obviously there's a lot of rippers and then once you start doing contests it opens your eyes to to other other, you know not the kids you see at your local beach all the time where you're like sizing them up like i'm just good as good as johnny and you know billy down the street you know and then you go to a contest you're like holy shit like i gotta step it up like you know i was surfing against guys like ryan birch and tanner godowskis and um and they were like at a you know such a higher competitive level and that brought my game up for sure and so uh you know at that point probably 13 14 going into high school i was like okay this is where i need to like you know start traveling luckily my uncle surfs and so we went to costa rica it was like yeah what was your first is that your first surf trip or do your parents take you um yeah so my first surf trip was like i want to say it was costa rica we went to pavonis scored it like pumping i was tripping out and it's a left-hand uh, point break right yeah 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 so backside i got to develop my turns and stuff and then a year or two later we went to samoa which was like 
the big culture shock trip of my like early life, you know, a totally different, um, and the swell was huge. Like I remember Jeff Moisa and Josh Hoyer and that crew was there and they were charging and I was 13 and I was like, holy cow. I was like 10, 12 foot barrels on like this right reef pass and um, we're wow. all staying at the same Solani resort. You so just happened to be there when they were there filming? It was like, nowadays I would have killed to be back there on that day. <laughs> but I remember jumping off the boat and my uncle's like, no, no, no. And the, like the currents are immediately sucking me into the pit and I'm like, ah! <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, those early surf trips definitely like opened my eyes to like what's out there, you know? Because it's like Laguna, California is only as good as it is. Were you like, how, how did you talk your parents into going to Samoa or were they just So like, my hey, uncle was like, oh, you, you and your brother are kind of like getting into surfing. Like you're getting better. You're getting good enough to be on a surf trip. And, and he was at that point in his life where he's like, let's go. And so um, luckily he took us and that was kind of like a jumping off point for, for like world travel, you know, and that's like a big part of surfing for me now. And I think a lot of surfers. Yeah. Too. That's what, the dream. What, um, yeah. What kind of surfing did your uncle do? Like shortboard and yeah, shortboard. Okay. Um, you know, he grew up in Laguna. He lives in Mammoth now. He moved out there um, right around the time I was born. So he skis up there, and then he'll come down and surf when he can. So it's kind of like get up. He's an architect, so he would like work and then come down and we'd, you know, we did a couple surf trips. And- yeah, exactly. So not bad. Lucky, yeah. yeah. So. That was kind of the beginning for me, yeah. So going back to when you were a kid and seeing Hans and, and John Rose, like, were those guys cool? Were they dicks or were they... They were super cool, you know, like, because there weren't that many kids um, that were trying to yeah. be, you know, pro surfer or trying to get better. Like, there was a handful of us um, kids, you know, living yeah. in a small town, there's like 24. 4,000 people there. Yeah. So, what were the other kids doing? Like golf, tennis, like all those other um, Volleyball kind of was big in Laguna. Uh, tennis. Water polo swim. Soccer. I quit everything when I was like 11. <laughs> I was like, I remember my dad picked me up at the beach in August. He's like, yeah, I had a soccer practice. It was like two in the afternoon. And I was like, I don't want to go. And he's like, do you even want to play? I'm like, I think I'm done. Like, I think yeah. I just want to surf, you yeah. know? And so surfing's hell of a drug. I know. Right. I was, I was so into <laughs> so it. So addicting. And he's like, I don't know why I'm dragging you to soccer practice. That means I got to drive out here. You know, it's like, yeah. it's a lot of work for parents to be you yeah. know, sports. Especially parents. when you have multiple kids that do multiple sports. Yeah. Luckily my brother and I were close enough to where we'd be on the same soccer team. Yeah. It would just kind of help. But, um, what kind of boards uh, were you getting as a kid? Cause I'm sure you're getting hand-me-downs or, yeah. or pulling them out. My of the first custom was a, a burn. I remember uh, there was this guy, Brad Burdick, who was like two years older than me. And he had one, no, he got second in nationals and he had like eight sponsors and he was like the kid coming up and he was a sponsor by burn. And I was like becoming friends with him and I was like, oh, I want to get a board. And so I like, I remember I drew like what I wanted and like had the airbrush I drew and um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was like a five. Oh, the thing was tiny. And uh, that was kind of like my first custom. And then um, Hans actually got me hooked up with Xanadu. Um, so Xanadu. Xanadu is like the, the, you know, first sponsor that I had for boards. And he, so eccentric, as you know. And 
Um, we had him on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's you awesome. have to listen awesome. to that one. Yeah. He's he's a character. Han said, "Dude, I've I've been writing for him for over twenty years, and you guys." Never knew half that shit. <laughs> you guys brought out some shit I'd never heard of. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, so he was shaping me like moon tails and channel bottoms and just like really experimental <laughs> stuff. And I was like digging it. So um, yeah, that was kind of like my whole high school into after high school. I was writing Santa Nice. So when, when you <clears throat> first got on Quicksilver, mm. John Rose took you down there. Yeah. Or up there. Yeah. And you walk in, you're like, who's the team manager then? Todd Klein. Okay. Yeah. Todd Klein. Klein. Yeah. So I walk in and it's like this giant building. Yeah. Like, and there's a huge Quicksilver logo, Kelly, posters everywhere. And there's like a million people working in the office. And I remember he like introduced me to some people. And then he's like, all right, let's go to the warehouse. And the warehouse is like massive and I'm now, which like, uh Huntington which building oh, Huntington okay Huntington. Yeah, yeah okay yeah so that was kind of like eye-opening and then he's like okay pick out like you know 11 items or whatever it was and I'm like oh my gosh and I remember they would only give me the wetsuits that were like the colorful ones and I'm like I just want a black wetsuit and they're like well you're the kid that needs to show everyone that you're wearing Quicksilver yeah. so and I was like, you need to stand oh, out. Okay, you need to stand out. You gotta sell wetsuits. And I was so little, and, and I had to wear the kids' wetsuits, and they had the zippers in the legs. And I remember they were so bad compared to what they are now. Like they were just like this, the sewed seams, like water just flushing through left and right. And the overlock it, seams. Yeah, they didn't make any blank stitch ones for the kids yet. And nowadays, because I was like back then, I was a little kid. I was like, why don't they make good wetsuits for kids? Like, what's the difference? And they're like, oh, they really don't sell enough to make. You know, like kids don't matter. Like, it was just like this weird logic. And yeah. nowadays, it's like kids are wearing nice wetsuits. For sure. Because, like, why can't a kid be warm? Like, it makes yeah. no sense logically. I remember when they launched the suits and they picked a handful of Quicksilver team riders, and I was one of the few. And they get me, we got to do a photo shoot. And I put on this suit, and the zippers were like, it was a front, it came up the bicep and oh, like, like this. up to the neck. Oh, yeah. Like it was a, it was like the first. On both sides. On both sides. Yeah. yeah. Like, from your elbow up to your neck. They look uh-huh. cool. Kinda. It was like the first non-back tr- zip yeah. like suit, you know, like, and it was. They were trying stuff, which yeah, was yeah, it was different, you know, like it was weird the, having that. Then they had the cell, I think it yeah. was called. It's just like Q-cell. a lot of rubber. And, yeah, how, but how fucking big did you feel? Oh, like going getting, to school that next day. Yeah, all decked out. Every Got day I'm gonna wear this. Next, yeah, the day after I'm gonna yeah. wear this and stickers on everything. Oh yeah, it was like the coolest feeling in the world. It's like hard and to. There's specific Quicksilver team stickers too, right? They were like the black ones back then, and then they pretty quickly transitioned to the red ones that you see Griffin has on his board now yeah. that they brought back. And the red ones were killer because they were like so big. And my boards were like 5-2 or whatever. Yeah. And it was like the first third of the board was like a Quicksilver sticker. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Yeah. So, like you weren't you know, sponsored in the 90s. They had a tribal sticker. That they had <laughs> it was like Quicksilver and underneath had like the, the full tribal... Yeah. You remember Thorns. those ones? Yeah. Thorns? Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, did, was your brother... Did, you, ugh, did your brother ever get sponsored? Yeah, he was kind of like more kind of flow like... Laguna Surfing Sports, stuff like that. Yeah. And then would come in and would he, would, get would, the bro deal and stuff. Would he get pissed at you for being sponsored? 
Uh, <laughs> maybe <laughs> 11 <laughs> items. Do I get 11? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's split them. Yeah. But we pretty, give me a large. I know you're medium. Give me a large. Yeah. Well, my brother's bigger than me, so we're different sizes. Yeah. So uh, we pretty much, pretty quickly learned that, like, if he shoots something and I get the clip, me surfing, like, we can both hit stuff. Yeah. And so that's kind of worked out the way it has yeah. over the years and we've done a lot of done a lot of work together over the years yeah it's, it, it's when you're sponsored the whole family sponsored. yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much dog it's it ain't no fun and... if your homies can't have it yeah, yeah. Wait, how's it go no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's free stuff like even to this day we're gonna hook you up with some some freebies and you're gonna be freaking stoked oh, yeah. oh it feels just as good you know <laughs> free stuff is free stuff so um nssa's yeah WSAs? Uh, we just kind of had the NSSA program when I was coming up, and then it developed into the Pro Junior thing. Started out when I was kind of like, I think I was like 18 when they introduced it. Mm. And that was kind of like the first kind of like bigger deal of contests. But I was like, you know, I was never that great at contests. Like, I would make finals, and I remember one year I got like second at churches, and I thought I won, and Tanner beat me, and it was kind of just like, shit like what's it gonna take you know like it nssa was was rad um but i just never could kind of like put that all together and uh it i just like surfing wasn't that wasn't surfing for me like contests were rad because i got to develop like you said like i got to be around kids that were good and see what the best kids were doing and you know the tricks and stuff but then i quickly realized like I'm not a comp guy. Like, I just want to surf and get better and I do it because I love it. And want to go on another trip. Exactly. Yeah. And so... Um, so the the nomadic travel surfing... I was super drawn to that, watching yeah. a lot of the Taylor Steele movies. It's like exotic locations. And... Uh, Were you ever thinking of being a pro surfer? Like, as a competitive surfer? Or... No, I pretty never... much like... I pretty much was like trying because, you know, it's still, I think to this day, like you have to do events if you want to kind of like build your name and keep your sponsors happy. But I did that through, you know, my teens and then got into UC Santa Cruz out of high school. And so that was a pretty easy decision for me to go to college. I was still sponsored by Quicksilver, surfing a lot up there. And then like halfway through college the quicksilver thing kind of ended and uh it was kind of like okay like it's obvious like i'm going to college and from their perspective i get it you know it's like he's not on the tour blah blah yeah. so i kind of was like j all i was focused on at that point was getting better because i was 18 you know your formative years like when you're 18 you're still not as good as you're gonna be right like you're still getting better and so yeah, you're not. I mean, depending on if you're a late bloomer or not, you know, putting yeah. on muscle yeah, like, like Simpo still, and stuff. Like he probably didn't yeah, get I mean, going until he was like a little bit later. Yeah, just everybody's. You know, I think the timelines have changed too from when we were like really, you know, the previous generations yeah. of like eighteen. You know, you're a man and you're going out like just the, yeah. the mindset was different. Yeah, what regardless of your like physical stature, you know. Yeah, yeah. and then now it's like so eighteen's um, a grom. <laughs> What, yeah. What uh, what was your major? Um, so UC Santa Cruz is rad because they have um, a really, like a world-renowned anthropology um, division. And so there's like super 
you know, renowned teachers and stuff. And, and my roommate is actually a little older than me and he was in some anthropology classes. And so. So I what do you do with that degree? One. Sorry to interrupt, but like. So with anthropology, um, it's mostly writing Indiana, intensive. Indiana Jones shit. You know? Yeah, exactly. I want to be <laughs> Indiana Jones. Uh, it was, I grew up being better at writing than I was at test taking. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my strength. So I was like, the first class I took, it was like intro to culture anthropology. And um, it was so rad because it kind of intertwined my love for traveling and like history and history and like, you know, learning cultures and like what makes a culture cool. And, um, and I was like, well, this is kind of what I do with surfing. And so, and I'm good at writing. So, um, it made college fun for me and not like a task. Like Mm. I didn't want to be like struggling through college and like taking these tests. And so, um, were you a good student? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got into UC Santa Cruz at a yeah. high school. So that was, that was rad. I applied for two to two colleges, UC Santa Barbara and UC Santa Cruz. Cause I was like, I don't want to leave California. I just want to surf. Yeah. And I got into Santa Cruz. So it was an easy decision. One of my good friends, Daniel Shea from um, Newport got in. So we were roommates. D Butter. Yeah. D Shea Butter. And, uh, we grew up competing together. Um, and so. Didn't he move to the East coast? No, he lives in San Fran now. Oh, San Fran. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, we were roommates and we were kind of like still surfing hard. And uh, the cool thing about up in Santa Cruz, as you know, is there's really good waves. And so we went from surfing fun waves down in Orange County to like proper good waves. Yeah. And at that age, I wasn't like developed as like a tube rider. Errors. I had stuff on my list that I was like, I need to get better at this. And so being able to explore up there with Daniel and a couple of my other friends really developed my skills into like I would say like you know a professional-ish level and then I just kept going at it and trying harder and harder and you know some of my sponsors stuck with me I was sponsored by DVS through um Brandy Surf and Sport Electric like you know I had some some stuff going but it was more like I was just doing it because I wanted to get better and then I you were know, you were you also like making movies or trying to like get magazines? Fun. Oh yeah, and like Surfline was kind of like getting bigger, and, and Ryan uh, Chachi Craig was up there, so he was getting started. So it was like there was like a fun mix of like starting up stuff. Like yeah, you know, I got my first shot on Surfline, and just learning how to like develop. Well, that was that your skill. what was your first shot? Like where was it at? It was at um, Moss Landing. Sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Not not the it was South Moss, which is like not the jetty or not the real like where it's loped out. It's yeah. like kinda like this close out beach break thing, but um you see a lot of shots there. It's like really clear water and um it was kinda just like this fisheye barrel shot. But uh yeah, so that was kinda like the beginning where I was like, Okay, like I can develop this skill with shooting with photographers, kinda like getting piecing it all together, what it takes to be a pro. Uh, like not a pro contest guy, like right. Were you already thinking like angles? Would you read like the magazine Surfline articles and be like, like I could write that and maybe. So I remember sitting in my dorm room freshman year and reading a surfing magazine and being like, "This is the coolest thing ever!" Like the story part of it, you know, like the the rad trip stories that they do. And I'm like, "Fuck, I want to do this." And so that was kind of like in the back of my head throughout college. And then I developed my writing, like I was writing for two and two and a half years, um, which is different than writing for the public, right? It's like you're writing for a professor. So it's like, you're still writing, but it's like, 
after college, I graduated when I was 21, so I was still pretty young. And uh, I remember I went to Indo for like three months, my brother and some Damn. friends. Damn! And like, was just kind of Three months like, in Indo. Yeah, just kind of like piecing it together, $10 rooms and stuff. Yeah. And just kind of like... But you're like journalizing, you're like just, journaling and Oh like, yeah, journaling everything and just and being writing like, what you want to write versus yeah, please like, a professor. Exactly, and so that was kind of like... Where it kind of took it to the next level. And then, I learned what Bang Chung is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so by the time I was like 22, I was like, okay, I need to get a job. Like, um, pay some bills and get a career and stuff. And uh, But before we go into that, yeah. three months in, in Indo, what, where did you spend it? Like All over. I mean, we were in Bali a lot, based out of Bali. We went to G-Land, we went to New Salimbangan. We were just kind of like floating around and then extending. You keep extending, you know, and you keep figuring out. I remember we had to like go to some in like some place where you had to get like a sketchy passport stamp, you know what I mean? And um, that was kind of like the beginning of like, you know, being on the road and doing doing that like surf kind of yeah. adventure life. Yeah, because, you know, <clears throat> all... all the surfer's dream trip, there's a lot of different places to go, but Indonesia is uh, probably like at the, the top of the list. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the places that you said, Nusa Lombangan, Bali, I mean, you know, for me, that's like, you can have your cake and eat it too there. Yeah. Because you can have, you know, parties and clubs and nice restaurants. Uh, so fun. And then there's killer waves. Yeah. And it was it's like you could relatively take, cheap. Yeah. As a kid, you could like make a hundred bucks last you a week. Yeah. And like still have all the fun you want, surf all over, have a little motorbike. And so that was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was a rad trip and, and that kind of developed um, when I got home. So Indo for three months? Pretty much something around that. And so I remember getting home and being like, I want to go okay, back. Yeah, I want to go back. But then, like, parents are like, "What are you gonna do now?" You know, like, that was your graduation trip. Slash yeah, that was like, a graduation trip. So, like, what, what, what are you gonna do? And so, I remember um, I worked at some restaurants in Laguna, like food running and trying to like piece it together and pay for the next surf trip and stuff. And then um, I had my degree. And at the time, what was the degree? Anthropology, cultural or? anthropology. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. Like you said, like, what can you do with that degree? I was like, I wanted to be a surf writer, which was, you know, a pretty niche career. Um, but luckily, I had a friend of a friend. No, I had a good friend, and he knew Pete Terrace at Surfing Magazine. And he had heard down the grapevine they were looking for, like, an associate editor. And so I just, like, reached out and... Uh, got a meeting with the crew and I remember having lunch with like Pete and Jimmy Kane and Jimmy Kane. Yeah. Taylor Paul. And, uh, that was right after Travis Ferre left. So Taylor was editor in chief. It was a good crew. And, um, I was like 22. I was still pretty young. And, um, I remember that meeting went well and, and I got the job. And so, that was like my dream job at the time, you know, it was like, that's was, incredible yeah. yeah, to go on trips and write. And I mean, you're living the best of both. Yeah. And so as associate editor, basically you're writing all the, um, 
small columns, you know, different interviews, NSSA write-ups, like all the stuff, the smaller stuff. And then like I started working my way into like writing kind of like sub features and, and getting to like, you know, obviously meet a lot of pros and kind of see into that world and be in the office and like you're talking about surfing all day and you're having meetings about surfing and it was just like I was so in it and so close to it that um I got to see how it worked like I remember sitting in Pete's office and where, where was that it was in San Clemente up, mm. up Pico like up, up, up the hill and uh and he had all these mock-ups for the cover right surfing mag cover which is like the pinnacle of you know a lot of guys career at the time and so I remember he was like, what do you, what do you like? And I'm like, oh, that one's sick. That one's sick. And then, um, and then like, he's like, okay, it's going to be that one. And I'm like, sick. And then a photo came in like the day before we had to go to print and he swapped that guy out and put the new photo that was epic up. And I'm like, that's how it goes. huh? like, it's <laughs> that you could be that close to a cover and you're yeah. not going to get it. Uh, and you never know. Yeah. Uh, that brand just slid a few bucks into our account. And, uh, and there's, there's all this, that athlete. And there's politics involved, yeah. too, like advertising dollars. There's a lot of stuff at stake. And so... Yeah. It goes both ways, but it's, yeah. you know, but you got to have good good shots at the end of the day, yeah. you know? Like it's yeah, magazine. exactly. And that and surfing had a lot of integrity, and it was such a good magazine when I went into it. So it was like I was coming into it, and it already had its form. And uh, it's crazy because when it was around surfing surfer i mean it made a it, it helped launch a career a trajectory yeah for a lot of people yeah. you know i mean because the cover getting a cover of a magazine is kind of a huge milestone yeah and that and, was before social media and, yeah and like the only way to make it as a pro if you're trying if to you're get not winning contests, yeah, is getting covers Coverage. and yeah. spreads and articles, and so only twelve mags, twelve mags, twelve mags. I mean, they, you know, so in the U.S., obviously, surfing surfer. We were in the same building, and then and then Transworld, yeah, at the at the pinnacle of yeah. like when yeah, it was that going. Was when surfer all Journal that stuff was happening. Yeah, yeah, they had all their different. So there was avenues, angles, but that that's but still, still limited not a lot. pages. And, yeah. And all but the to get a world, cover, thirty-six yeah. covers, yeah, not yeah, thirty-six, not a lot. Not and a then lot. how many? Like Lars got a story about somebody telling him he was getting the cover. The editor said he's probably getting the cover, and yeah. then he doesn't get the cover, and it's like heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, like all of a sudden you're you're like, oh shit, you know, that could have been like another couple thousand bucks. Yeah, another, another contract. Yeah, whatever, and then. You still got a double page spread yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But like it sucks because the covers could have been. Yeah. And it's, and it's yeah. It had it, nothing to do with the the sponsors yeah. or the quality of the shot. It it came down to they ran a similar style air photo, a couple of issues. Yeah, previous. and you gotta think and, about and that. that stuff. And they're like, Well, we can't run all left barrels, right barrel. It's got And how did that cover sell? Did that cover sell well? Like maybe it didn't. Or, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. What do we need to sell these issues? And so, uh, so you could have the sickest barrel shot ever, but they're like, dude, we just ran like a freaking barrel shot just like that. You'd be like, yeah, and you can't, they can't sit timing. on it. it yeah, they yeah. won't sit on that photo for six months and oh, then yeah. launch it. It's like, like well, if there's thousands and 
there's millions so many of surfers in. and photographers that are it's shooting, <laughs> you know, content, and it's like if if you don't catch the eye, yeah. and you're and and that brand that you, you ride for isn't paying bills, you get a you you, you go from the cover to the fucking inside. You could be gone. Yeah. You could be in the tiniest little photo ever, and it could have been a cover. So it was crazy being on the inside of those walls. Making a lot of good friends. Or- <laughs> like like wanting to be a pro surfer, going to college, kind of like giving up that in a way. Like I always like really wanted to be a pro, but like understanding I needed to make a living and then getting inside those walls and um, like seeing what the whole move and shake of the industry was like the actual nuts and bolts of what goes into the surf industry. Yeah. It was like super interesting. Yeah. But it took a little magic out of the equation, like from a kid being like, Oh, I want to be a pro. And then you're in the, in the editing room and you're working, working. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, this is so rad. But at the same time, like it's all of a sudden it's a job like you know like a job is it's it's not all glamour and so i worked there for about a year and and cut my teeth learning how to write for the public and like learning how to write for you know fun articles and creating stories out of thin air basically and ideas and that was a huge building block for me is like learning how to formulate an idea and then execute and create something engaging for the public and um and so i went off and was doing freelance writing after that um i was an editor for a magazine called beach days that was an offshoot of the same publisher as surfer magazine with um, mitch abshire who did captain finn yeah and so he hired me because he doesn't come from the writing world to do all the articles and so i did this whole magazine we did like six issues or something it was like uh quarterly and all the issues were selling out and it was like this alternative magazine where it was like kind of like where when alternative surfing was kind of coming into the fold like twin fins longboards but also like dan reynolds and kind of like the cool cool kind of vibe yeah and i remember kind of yeah Yeah. and like interviewing rad bands and like just a bunch of cool stuff and that kind of helped me realize like i can create i can like write a magazine basically like from top down like it so that really helped me and and it was crazy too because source interlink which was the publishing company was like dude this thing's selling so well but it's like and it was print it's print and it was similar to surfer where it was like longboarding shortboarding alternative and they're like this is taking from our surfer sales and so it eventually got cut off and which was kind of a bummer at the time because i was having so much fun with it um, so I was probably around 23 at that time, but that was right around the time when Rourke started. And so Brandy was one of the first guys at Rourke. He was their marketing guy. And it was like a year in, they'd like, you know, done a couple things and made some trunks and it was like grassroots still to get a brand. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about Rourke real quick because yeah. it's, it is about storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fictional, his name's Rourke, a fictional character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That each season, Mm -hmm. Rourke as a clothing company tries to sell a story and clothes to go with it. Yeah. Right? So it's like traveling, culture. That was the idea from the start was like 
telling the story through. Tell Ryan and Jay they need to pay us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Hitzel, Ryan Sirianni. um, Those are Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart, yeah. He came from Hurley, and, and those guys were like, you know, like we didn't really know each other that well, but I knew Brandy so well from, you know, he was, you know, DVS and all that. So he set up a meeting. He called me and was like, hey, I think you'd be good for this new brand we're starting. So we met up at the Coyote Grill in Laguna and like had a chat and it was kind of loose and like started giving me product and they're like, we can't really pay you or whatnot, but like we want you on a, to get on the trips. And since you're already doing the storytelling thing, like you'd be kind of a good fit for what we're doing. And so it was rad and I was super honored. They're like, you'd be the first guy, like our first writer. And I was like, wow, local cool. boy, yeah. right? you're offering more than just surf, yeah. which is huge. Yeah, and it what, was like... What year did they start? Uh, it was like 2012 they started. This was probably 2013. Okay. And it was kind of perfect timing for me. Um, I was like, you know, developed at my writing, developed in my surfing, and just needed that opportunity. And I remember the first trip we did was to Iceland in the winter. It was like December in Iceland. We did two weeks. I remember we left, we landed, and it was like dark and there was a blizzard and we were like we're gonna go surf it's 2013 yeah wow they're like we're going surfing i'm like we're going Negative surfing degrees. right now and you could see the snow blowing across the road sideways like freaking mammoth mountain top of yeah. the ma- mountain like that kind of stuff and like i was like holy shit like no we're not gonna surf. And we get to the beach and it's like you know freezing cold and just like thrown right in the deep end with the I was the Grom, you know, like <laughs> get there. out there. So and like, who, who was with you? Ryan Hitzel, Ryan Siriani, Raph Bruweiler got okay. on the team right around that time because he was like the man. Um, the guy's so gnarly, and uh, he's used to the cold. Chris Chris Burkhard was on that trip, and photographer, right? Yeah, okay. he was like the Iceland guru. He, he lives there now, I think, but um. It was a small crew. We had like an Icelandic guide and um, nuts, like bare bones kind of style. And so gonna, when they told you Iceland, you're like, Iceland? I was like, okay. Have you, have you heard of it or, or no? It was like, you know, I knew the Northern Lights and stuff. And um, there was kind of some stuff coming out from there at the time. And it was kind of like, I'm down for whatever. Yeah. At that point, I was like, let's do this. And then... That's where I started learning what this brand was, Ryan's vision, what he wanted out of the shoots. We ended up doing two weeks driving the whole island, just gnarly. Like, still to this day, probably one of the gnarlier trips we've ever done. Do I need to bring a 654, a 453, oh, hoodies, everything. Like, gloves, like... It was... The thickest was, shit you could find. And we were in this old Defender, Land Rover Defender. The doors wouldn't seal all the way, so there's freaking air coming in. The heaters don't work. And I'm like in these clothes that are like samples that are a little too small. And I'm wearing four jackets, and they're like cutting off circulation. So I'm like, why am I still cold? And like, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the type of stuff that's, you know, grows character. And um, that trip that is still some of the most memorable imagery that they've ever had. Yeah. yeah. What? Where did you guys stay? Like, we like there's like these little huts. Like in the north, we stayed um, this little hut, and uh, you know, like always on the coast. So we never went to Reykjavik, which is in the middle. And so we're always in these like tiny little towns. There's only three hundred thousand people in all of Iceland. So wow, nobody there. 
So they're like, desolate. is that where the desolate. Vikings? Yeah, Vikings, Vikings come from. The people are like huge. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so that was kind of the beginning with Rourke. Um, I remember we came back with some really rad imagery. And were the waves good? Did you guys score? We got. It was crazy too because we were like looking for waves all over, um, and we ended up getting the best waves like twenty minutes from the airport. There's like a slab that we Shut found. The front yeah, door. yeah. So Shut we the whole, did the whole deal. two weeks. Two weeks looking everywhere and like the swell is too big here, you know, not big enough there, like nooks and crannies because there's fjords, so they get like a lot of blockage and so stuff. So there's six people in your in your group? Something like that. Five or six? Yeah, there's a small crew. I remember we had a van and then we, which was like the chase vehicle, then we had the um, Land Rover Defender and uh, yeah, that was like where... I started to realize what this whole deal was. Like, yeah. it's not just like a surf brand. It's like a storytelling brand. Yeah. Come back and um, they like included me in like, you know, helping write some of the stories. And that was their first trip? That the was, brand, or? they had done a trip to Baja and I think Big Sur because okay. they were like small. Yeah. They were kind of figuring out what they were. And then they were, this was the first one where we were like, all right, let's go for it. Like, yeah. We got the samples. Let's, let's, let's make something happen. So... From Pretty there, bad. yeah, from there, it just kind of like, as you know, it's it's kept snowballing, and um, luckily, Ryan Hitzel at the helm, he's like got a vision, and he comes from an art background, and he knew what he wanted the brand to be before a lot of other people did, and um, he did all the due diligence on like, that's not the photo, this is what I want to see, blah, 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 so it's like, you really need that behind-the-scenes guy to orchestrate what public's gonna see right yeah as a brand because he's the guy that started it yeah ryan Hitzel, yeah right? he's one of the founders of ryan siriani actually yeah. john rose is one of the founders but then he quickly developed into his waves for water deal and he had to go and do that because yeah. that was like yeah. his you know calling and so it was rad yeah ryan was from volcom too right he was Volcom early days, and then he went to L.A. and was working at an uh, advertising agency. Mm. And I remember he was, like, saying he had saved up some money working there, but it just wasn't where he wanted to be, and he always wanted to start this brand. So it was, like, he was, like, probably in his mid-30s at the time and um, decided just to go for it. Yeah. And, yeah. And we're going to get him on the podcast yeah, soon, to. too, and, and J-Dog, too, but... It's just interesting to to get that background of where they came from too. Um, Siriani Siriani came from Hurley, you said. Yeah, he okay. was at Hurley doing like a lot of their events and um, I think like storefronts. And he just like he's just like a multi tool. Like I can do it all. Yeah, because Rourke is like a pirate kind of right. Yeah. So like a- at the beginning, he was kind of like a guy. Like the idea was he was like a guy that could fit in, um, like in a in like a bar in New York City or like, you know, in, in, or on the other side, like, you know, he could be in like the country, you know. Yeah. You know, you can see him Chameleon anywhere. Enough. He could Travel fit in too. anywhere. I don't know why, but it's Dick Metz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's, he, so yeah. he was part of the, the seeds that grew into Rourke because Laguna has a lot of those characters. Yes. Yeah. And so Ryan had that in his head too, like, is Ryan from Laguna? Ryan's too? from Laguna originally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it all kind of fits together, and um, the the fictitious character Rourke helped grow the brand and tell the story, um, and it's kind of evolved into like 
what it is now, which is like, you know, now they have women's and they have a running division and it's, it's like, yeah, the run amok was a genius. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's, it's cool to see. It's like, I've been with them like now 10 years. Yeah. So yeah, they launched at a really good time, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of that, you know, yeah. Financial crisis thing. The, yeah. the market was, you know, surf industry was kind of in a funky. It's kind of like now, you know, we're going yeah. through another kind of like cycle. Every 10 years, it seems like yeah. there's this yeah. cycle of brands that pop up. And But going back to Dick Metz, like that dude is the, like, Nomadic not the but he, he is the Rourke kind of person where, you know, he traveled the world he freaking blended in with the the people, the culture, yeah, he like, and he's just chasing tail. Told, <laughs> <laughs> he taught. He told Bruce Brown where to fish. go. Yeah, he yeah, told like, Bruce Brown where to go. Like that's the OG of the Dude, OGs. Yeah. And and that remember the story he was talking about when he was in Africa, and you know before beatniks and before hippies, he started growing his hair because uh-huh. there's no fucking barbers to go mm-hmm. to. And he got dark, and and he's wearing um, hirachis. Yeah, he's wearing like a t-shirt over his head, <laughs> and he's wearing hirachis that are rubber made or tire made sandals, right? <laughs> yeah, just like the because the whites were not like the English that were or other European yeah. countries yeah. that were kind of settling there and kind of running things. They were very like they stood out. They were yeah. suited and proper mm-hmm. and very hoity And the natives and he was hated like, them. Oh yeah, but he, they they looked at him the and they couldn't figure out where he's, yeah. he was. You know yeah. what I mean? Or Kinda what like, he was? You're not one of us, but you don't look like them, so you're you're cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dude. What I, I was listening to it uh, on the way here, yeah. and what he was saying, Usa Bungaboo. <laughs> <laughs> He was like dating one of the guy's daughters oh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And you just yeah. get into tons of mischief. Oh, yeah. dude. It was hilarious. But that, you know, yeah, you're, you're embodying like that traveler, you know. And but He's the one that sparked that adventurous surfer, the yeah. nomadic surfer. Yeah. Like that's what he did. Him and yeah. his buddies were just like trying to find waves and trying to find the best places to hang and, and that's yeah. what we do you know till this day like, i know and you think about people yeah. people hit me up like hey where's the best trips and i'm like well what are you talking about like what surf are you or like culture food like experience life because there's like two different trips and then some overlap like you know totally. some are just it was just great for the waves yeah but there wasn't like fucking shit to do or the culture yeah. to you know yeah and then there's some where it's like dude the cultures but we didn't score any ways you know and yeah. then there's some that come together yeah, but th- at the end of the day traveling and having that like experience just, of being somewhere just just fucking doing it you yeah, know? yeah like you know having a dinner with you know a local guy anywhere yeah. you are it's gonna be special. drinking their type whatever of they want to make you for dinner what, yeah like anything like whatever it is that they're you know their their typical meal and drink it's yeah. like whoa yeah like what am i drinking what am i eating for sure yeah and you you know as being polite and being, you yeah. know, like a, a guest, you try it all. Wait, I ate yeah. what? Yeah. yeah, it was delicious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So with Rourke, I've been able to surf places you never even think of. Yeah. Like I surfed in Vietnam. Wow. And, uh, oh, that was um, was that with Jamie Thomas too? Jamie was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was rad. Like Jamie was like my hero growing up because skating, like yeah. he was the guy for yeah. sure. And then Chief. they're like, they're like, dude, Jamie Thomas came to our booth at ASR, and he's just like once. To be on the team, I'm like, what? So, so like, yeah, you guys are doing rad stuff, and like, 
Let's do this. So yeah. they wedged out a section for Jamie, and um, and he just wanted to be part of the the story, you know. And yeah. so that's cool. Because um, when you know, thinking about it, Rourke doesn't really sponsor a lot of people, Mm-mm. right? They've only spent uh, they've been around for ten years, right? Yeah, and they they haven't really sponsored that many people. Yeah, there's kind of like a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. It's like you gotta be able to come back from the trip and and kind of tell the story. Yeah, and kind of because they're not like co- competitive surfers. It's not about that. It's about the, an interesting character, or interesting person, right? Along with surfing. Yeah, it's it's there's layers to it with Rourke, and you gotta um, you gotta be able to travel well, represent the brand well, obviously, and then. Um, come back and be able to story tell for the brand in a way yeah. and kind of like have a perspective on things and um and also be able to put up with like gnarly travel, travel. conditions yeah which a lot of people can't do yeah which is like you know it is what it is everyone's different um but i was just so psyched to be even invited i was just like i'll do whatever you yeah. know so i was digging deep it's cool because that Rourke, when you think of Rourke, you do think of like being a pirate, you know, <laughs> yeah. or being like resilient, you know, like, yeah. like you said, you like, you gotta, tr- you gotta tr- travel hard to play hard. Yeah. It's not right? going to your, your turnkey, like surf resort, like destinations. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we're going to go here because everybody goes here and you're going to yeah. score. It's yeah. like, let's go off the beaten path yeah. and find something that's, yeah, yeah it's going to be a mission. It's yeah. going to be a freaking journey. It's going to be something that. You know, you, at the end of the day, you hope it's going to all come together, but it's a, it's a big risk at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's why people have resonated with the brand. It's like, you know, it's like projecting that dream of adventurism that is pretty hard to find these days. And because uh, everything's so accessible, it's like so easy to go and stay at like the nice hotel on the beach and the waves perfect out front. And you're like, yeah, stoked. There's always time for that, but it's where the wife wants to go. Exactly. Like I'm not <laughs> saying, I want to go, dude. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but um, no. But so I want to go to Commune and Carabas. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't dude, we all? So sick. But then you got to take another ice cream bar. Yeah. And you're, yeah. And you're on the pool. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and there's like a surfline camera, but uh, yeah. I mean, like, and then I started realizing like the stories were so much richer for those harder trips. Like you come back after suffering in the cold and doing this and that. And you're like, holy shit, we just did that. Like, yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. And then the stories come that much easier. Cause it's like actually real. You're not faking anything. You're not fabricating like a marketing plan. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So it's like, it's, well, you are doing a marketing plan, That's the, but it's, it's, it's the coolest marketing plan. Cause it's the most rewarding because you, went through so much more oh yeah right like, <laughs> freaking hiking in nepal like yeah. hiking you know trekking up to eight thousand feet and yeah. you're like what the hell am i doing right now and it's just like you have these out-of-body experiences where you're like how did surfing take me here <laughs> and like what is going on but then you see the photos and like you're just it all comes together because you know as a brand you got to create these marketing assets and um at the end of the day it's like you get to show the world and, and your family what you're doing, yeah. and it's. So Are they cool. doing two of these like a year, pretty much, like two big? Yeah, story so that trips. was like the that was the structure for a while was, um, you know, fall winter big trip like, put all the eggs in, and then, 
have all the stories and assets just tell the story for six months and then do the spring summer and you had like a little bit lighter on the budget but still still pretty big trips um and now they're structured in a way where it's like they're still doing the two main trips but there's little trips intertwined you know the budgets have grown a little bit but also like strategically like it's not like just relying on those two trips like you got to have more stories to to tell. Well, seasons. Well, in this day and age of yeah. content how yeah. quick it is like yeah. to keep people like interested it's yeah you got to pump out a lot more and you don't necessarily have to go so big like no. you could be like let's go run through la and do this rad thing and you know go up north yeah it, it's crazy when you think about what it takes to make a brand successful right because you have to have great clothes and then you go, well, fuck, a lot of people make a lot of great clothes. What, what's the next thing that you have to look at? You know, like, oh, it's the people that ride for you or it's the people that your ambassadors. But then it's also the content you create and the quality of the images. And, and really, like, when you look at Rourke and think of those trips like Iceland and Nepal, you're like, fuck, like, no, no other people are doing that. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and you're like. And the the some pictures they say is worth a thousand words, right? Yeah. And when you see something like that that you don't ne- ne- necessarily see all the time, like that makes a big difference, right? Like yeah. it totally like I don't know for me <laughs> going back to Dick Metz, those photos that I he sent me a bunch of photos and they're Kodachrome from the fucking fifties, yeah. And you're wow. like, and they're still so brilliant, and and yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's the, it's the Taj Mahal, it's the fucking lions sitting in the in the desert, yeah. You know, it's the pygmies with their boobies and nipples hanging <laughs> out. You're just like, fuck, yeah. You know, yeah. like those kind of you know images will last forever, and yeah. and you live through, you live them. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I feel really fortunate to be invited on the trips and to keep going on the trips yeah. and so talk to us about the trip so you went to iceland vietnam nepal um senegal uh, senegal yeah senegal was a crazy one is that like off west africa, africa? oh yeah. shit yeah isn't it dangerous uh it was right around the time where uh what was it um not sars it was like one of those gnarly um, what are the pi- Somalian pirates or no it was like it was like flu yeah people oh. were getting sick in like Guinea-Bissau which is just underneath it so it was like we had to get all these vaccines and it was just like one of those trips where I was like holy shit like we needed two guides it was like next level yeah <laughs> uh, and was there waves involved yeah I was pumping we surfed the wave that's in the endless, su- endless summer they went there in the endless summer oh shit they're like remember the scene where it's like where you can get a cup of coffee for cost a dollar like that was like super expensive or whatever yeah. we went to that wave um shit we went we'll all. have to find that section yeah yeah and uh i remember like being like oh we're going to all these crazy places and uh like i just want to go on like a surf trip like when are we gonna do the surf trip and then ryan was all we're doing a we're doing a boat trip I'm like sick boat trip we made it we're finally doing a boat trip and it, we take a sailboat through Java <laughs> to Panayatin Island, which is like, you know, where um, that apocalypse wave is, the Timmy Turner wave. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, crazy wave. Palm Point. But it happens that it's like 
pretty fickle. Like the one palm wave needs like the biggest swell of the year, the south swell, and so it's like the moon tides and, and the, the waves that, are uh, so Tim shallow. Had on the yeah. on his on the backside, yeah. And the, I remember the boat captain's like, "Okay, we all I got the helmets and everything." I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" So it was like, and then we ended up hiking up this mountain that was like there's this buddhist statue and it's like you know the the one of the holiest places in indonesia and we're in the middle of nowhere and we get these guys that don't know where they're going anyways we're bushwhacking six hours later we end up at the top and it's like this tiny little elephant statue and like, this is it i remember this is parker coffin is on the team and um he like had this like crazy like heat stroke at the end and like he was like what is going on and he ended up stepping on a, I ended up stepping on a thorn and like having this pus coming under my feet what Parker got staph infection what? like stuff like that you know you're like you're going to Indo this is this is the dream and then all of a sudden we're hiking a fucking mountain paradise like, turned to freaking yeah. drama real yeah. quick yeah but that goes all back to like you know it's like doing it a different way like yeah. you know Billabong and those guys go and get their board short ads and stuff and that's rad and I always like was jealous of that at yeah. the same time but Rourke's ads aren't action shots it's like it's like flipping through the mag you know it's like the sick action ads selling the board shorts and then you get to the Rourke ad and it's like freaking we're in a blizzard on top of a defender and you know it's like that's freaking weird. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, it's different. A and page that, stopper. Exactly. Yeah. And that was the whole marketing strategy. It was like, let's do something a little different. And, uh, and it was kind of, you know, what grew Rourke um, in the, you know, consciousness of the consumer, which is like, it took a while. Like nobody knew who Rourke, the brand was for years. Like probably the first five years, it was like, I'm traveling around. They're like, what is that? What is that? But nowadays I go places, guys are wearing the clothes and yeah, it's cool to see the brand develop from a small brand to, I don't know what you call it today, but it's definitely not like, you know, behind the scenes anymore. Yeah. People know what it is. Yeah. And honestly, brands, no matter what, it takes a while to gain recognition and the more different you are as far as marketing like you have to make unfortunately you have to make the same product as everybody else mm. you know a little bit right like yeah. you got to have t-shirts you got to have beanies you got to have hats you have to have wove you know what i mean you yeah. have to have certain categories covered but what will set you apart right mm. what are the things that set you apart it's it's marketing yeah. and and niches that like you go to places that and and show imagery that you're like oh that's what they are yeah right yeah and yeah i mean Rourke, like you said it's been around for 10 years and didn't really start popping off until like three or four years ago yeah right like, yeah i mean it takes <clears throat> a long time for a brand to you know develop into like a bigger brand yeah. right like it's not just going to happen overnight yeah it's good to have slow growth, but it's, you know, it's that mysterious mystique, you know, like, what is it, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. kind of sucks in the beginning because it does, it, it doesn't really get well, the traction you want, but then uh -huh. sometimes it doesn't suck, but just people aren't ready for it. True. Right. Like yeah. they're not yeah. ready for it. And yes, you're right. Like sometimes it does suck. You know, you're not making the best quality, but it benefits down best the line. fits, but yeah, the more work 
you put into it and the more point of difference that you have, it, it's worth it in the long run, right? Yeah. Like, this is what we came out as. This is what we stood for. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting credit for it. Yeah. Like, that's what happens with brands. Like, wait, what are you? Oh, you've been doing that for a long time? That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's what we've been fucking telling you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, we've been doing this. Yeah. Like, it takes, yeah. I mean, you want to, yeah, you want to set yourself, like like Lynn said, you got to compete with where, where you sit, but you also got to have just enough point of difference and, you know, and that comes with marketing and advocates, teams yeah. or whatever, but the product at the end of the day has got to sell. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like where we're at now with, uh, with growth and all that and getting J-Dog on the program CEO. So it's, it's good. We're, we're in a good position, um, in the industry and, um, I'm stoked, I'm, you know, still doing it. Yeah. And, uh, we're going out to Hawaii next week and getting the team together and yeah so that's gonna be another fun one which is uh, a first for us you know getting the team getting a little house together and kind of having a team bonding trip and you know hanging who's on the team now harrison roach he won the longboard title like two years ago sick he's australian really good surfer all around just shredder um he got on a couple years ago um they just signed on Mackenzie bowden he's a Australian, New Zealander. Um, I think he's born in New Zealand or something. We have yet to meet, but I'm going to meet him next week. He's coming out. Um, Jamie Thomas is on the skate. Um, So he's been on on for a while now. A little while, yeah. Yeah. And um, they have Jeff Johnson, who's like a climber, surfer, storyteller. Yep. Did 180 degrees south. They've got, you know, it's like they've got runners now, climbers, surfers, a couple skaters, and a what? snowboarder, Amanda Dominguez. He's from, um, he's from like Patagonia, Argentina. Is TJ Bottom still part of the program? Uh, Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Colorado guy? Yeah. Or so they're getting like... Rocky Mountain guy. And... Yeah, the running thing, it's like, it's all just expanding, but at like a level pace, like you were saying, just to keep the team small and yeah. not overreach. But Max do, Beach too, right? Max is, is on and he's Sick. he's coming up right now. And so we've got some younger kids, you know, it's like getting that flow team going where it's like you want the kids involved because that's what's going to be the industry, you know, growing the industry. Mm-hmm. And so working on that with the reps, um, like Joel Olnick's got some kids and, and Joel Olnick. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been rad to see it go from like this little thing to um like, you know, one of the brands that's yeah. like on the scene. So Yeah. Definitely seeing way more Rourke popping up and, and getting sections in the shops and stuff. So Yeah. Could happen to a better group of guys too. Yeah, I mean you you kind of we're in we're in ground zero, Southern California. Yeah. You yeah, know, exactly. so you know, this is the hardest nut to crack and it's like the pinnacle of like the industry, you know, and then, you know, so you can make it here. No, I mean, you can make it anywhere. You know, in a way. Yeah. Because it's like, this is where it happens first for a mm-hmm. lot, a lot of the brands, you know, growing up in Laguna, Newport, Huntington, yeah. Southern California has its incubation of like a lot of these brands and yeah. you start at home and then, you know, it, 
it gets, you know, it takes a while to get to the East Coast. It takes a while to get to the middle of America. It takes yeah. a while to go to other countries. Yeah. And that's part of the growth, you know. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're definitely... Was there... Like, have a huge presence now. Was there a YouTube clip of you in Nazare? Yeah. Portugal? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went out to Nazare. It's funny because I, on, when I was on the Quicksilver days... I met Nick Von Rupp. He was on Quicksilver at the Quicksilver house in Hawaii. We were staying together like 15, both like groms. And we just developed a friendship. And uh, he would come into town for the U.S. Open when he was competing and stay in Laguna. And uh, <clears throat> just always roused to me like, why don't you ever come to Portugal? Like, you never came. And it's we got insane waves. And finally I was like, dude, I want to come. This is like after COVID, you know, you're cooped up just thinking about surfing, yeah. traveling and... Uh, I stumbled on that, you know, yeah. that video. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. And so. Because that thing charges too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now he's shifting. And then I see big you ways. charge. <laughs> yeah. And so cut that short. Like I started surfing at Todos and stuff. I got a board from Chris Christensen for it and started like developing that side of my surfing and getting. Uh, I always loved to like the challenge of, of bigger waves. I'm, I'll never call myself like a big wave guy, but. I love all sides of surfing. Um, and so I started learning how to like approach bigger waves, let's say like riding a nine, six and stuff like that. And so we, we, when you're in college and up in Santa Cruz, were you, I went to Mavs and, and, and I remember like my friend was filming Nathan Fletcher and he's like, come up, like you might be able to get one of his boards and like, you know, he's already up there and we get up there and he's already on the ski with his boards. And I was like, I missed the window and I remember watching it from the cliff and just being like, this is the day. It was like 20 foot glassy, sunny, like John, John was like out. He was like 16 at the time. So I kind of like didn't do the Mavs thing, but then I was down here. There's in. plenty of big waves, like just up there. In general, oh yeah. You know? Oh like yeah. That. You get thrown into it for yeah. sure. And just learning how to take a beating and stuff. But um, <laughs> anyways, serving Totos for a couple of years and then, um, I go down to Portugal and uh, Nick's all, hey, I just let you know my focus is Nazare. Like, I'm, this is all I, what I do now. I just, if there's a big swallow, we're going to Nazare. I'm like, all right, whatever. Just thinking, like, I'll just take photos or something. I don't want to be, like, a nuisance. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's like, I don't have to answer that. And so, anyways, this is a funny story. We're at his house. I get, I get to his house. It's, like, two foot the first day. And then he's all, dude there's two big swells lining up like clean glassy huge nazareth i'm like what i thought he was like joking because it was like i just got there he's like i don't know in like two days we'll go over there he picks up these brand new paisel like 10 sixes <laughs> and they barely fit they fit in the car and like i wedge myself in and we drive like an hour and a half from his house to nazareth right we get to the harbor he's got uh he's got a a, a garage at the harbor like he pays for with all of his jet skis and boards and flotation i'm not kidding we get there and it's like twiggy all the boys 100 foot the, wave, gnarliest, the gnarliest guys 100 foot wave crew filming and it's like what the hell did i just get myself into and i'm just like in the background kind of like trying not to be in the way you're like oh you don't have a board for me oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This. i know yeah. it's like dude it's all good and these are both yours right yeah 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 <laughs> And he's These like, I need, yours. I need a caddy. Yeah. He's like, 
doing interviews on camera and like blah, blah blah twiggy's like dude it's freaking huge we're out there he's like fired up and i'm like oh my god this i'm like in it all of a sudden anyways um and you were there and i'm in huge. the garage and they're all like getting their stuff on and getting ready and i'm like what do i do like what am i gonna do and then he like finally he's like so you're so distracted that he finally looks at me he's like dude throws me a suit i don't have inflation he's like throws me a patagonia vest i'm like i'm aboard he's like it's all good just get on the ski with ben um who's like this scottish kid who's like a really good jet ski driver it's like, you, i got the extra ski like you guys just cruise around okay before we get into the waves here where were you honing your skills so i was out at totos totos or? basically okay. maybe some pasquale stuff i got pretty big um like big like how big like remember that mark healy swell when he got that big left at uh, Puerto, it was like, I don't know, 2015. Uh, it was like maxing, maxing like 20, you were there? 20, 25 feet. I was at Pasquales. And so I you, survived you were... that. I surfed it and got a couple scary waves. And I was kind of like, all right, like we can do this. How big? It was probably like 20, 25 foot beach break. So like, <laughs> it's Holland. scary as hell. Shifting like mountains in the water. So... Fast forward to Nazare and yeah, because this is a whole different whole different deal. And obviously, we'd all seen the footage, and it's like you know the cliffs, and it's like so you're at the harbor, and you're coming out of the harbor, and he's like, wait, stop, and we all like he like we all say like a like a prayer, like it was like getting real, you know. And so go out the harbor, and we're like beelining it, and you basically the harbor is right next to the cliff, and then you come around the corner. We could already see the waves a-framing from the harbor like a half mile away come around the corner we put the boards on the um buoy there's like a buoy that you tie the the leashes on and i'm on the ski with my friend ben and nick's all all right we're gonna tow a couple and nick's got the rope he's getting towed in by his tow guy and me and ben kind of like go around and i'm confident with him because he's so good at driving skis and so we're like cruise around there's kind of like a channel in between the two main peaks. Okay. You had no idea you would be doing this. No. I didn't know I was going to be in the water. Have you done toe-in surfing before? No. Yeah. So. And no prep talk like, hey, if you guys <laughs> yeah. lose the ski or wipe out, oh, this nothing. is what you know to do. Like, just. Well, you've never done any of this. Well, There's no so preparation for it. Initially, mentally. Ben and I are like, we're just going to watch. We're watching. So it's like, I was okay with it. I had my flotation on. So it's like, the ski goes over. I'm good. Thinking in my head. And then. That Nick, was junior lifeguard. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so Nick's, Nick toes for like two hours. He's toning. He's ripping. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, I'm filming on my phone. Like, and how was, big is it? It was crazy. It was like 25 foot, 30 foot. And like the swell had like peaked, I think, in the morning. And it was so glassy that guys were like, screw the toe stuff. We're paddling today. Like this is the, as good as paddle ever gets. And so Nick, I remember I towed for a while and he was like tired because toe surfing is fucking tiring. Like your arms, your legs, everything. Yeah. Anyways, I... uh had to pee so bad i'd been sitting on the ski for two hours i remember i'm like talking your wetsuit though my wetsuit i'm like talking to nick we're like out the back and i'm like i pee i jump off and he's like i'm like he like 
it was like surreal. He like hands, it's like a throws you a board. Throws me a board ten six. He's all here, just like pile around on this if you want. I'm like I needed to like loosen up. And I put the I put the leash on, and I'm like, oh, he's like, you want to get one? And I was like, ah, uh. he's like, dude, you got it, you got are you, it. Are you downplaying the size? Because we're talking not Nazare. It was when we it was when people say Nazare, it's like sixty to hundred feet. It was terrifying. Was yeah. it sixty to hundred? It wasn't like face. It, it was so in those days, you like literally can't paddle. Like if it's that big, it's like it's it's death defined. But it was at the size where it was like just under like where you, you know it's like paddle toe like you know kind of crossing that line and so um i'm paddling around on the board and like he's talking to me he's like from me to you like you know like a couple feet away on the ski and we're talking and i'm like oh my god there's like a huge set you can see it coming and i'm like fuck i get on my stomach i'm paddling i was like no no wait 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 i'm all what he's like don't paddle out any farther and i'm like are you kidding me? There's freaking mountains coming in. Like it's surreal when a big wave's coming that big. And it's like, doesn't even look like a wave. It looks like a mountain that's moving and it's coming at me. He's like, if, if it breaks, just get on the sled. I'll get us out of here. And I, that gave me a little bit of confidence. I'm like, okay. He's like, I wait. Everyone's piling out. The whole lineup's going out. And I'm like, very right. You know, how many people are out? There's probably like 20 paddlers on the, on the South peak. I think it's called, which is like next to the cliff, the big one. And uh, so, how so I, big are the faces? That's, I mean, the first one was probably 25 feet, right? So, I'm paddle over the first one. It's like the, you know, the first wave of the set goes under us. And then the second one's like a little bigger. I'd probably say like 30, 35 feet. And he's all, this is the one I'm all. And like, literally, it was like out of a movie, like it freaking A frame right at me. I remember turning around. had you around, in the right spot. Had me in the perfect spot. I remember I turned around. I'm on a 10-6. Never ridden this. Never ridden the board. What's the biggest board you ever ridden? It was a 9-2, which is what I use at Totos. And I remember I paddled like four times. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I better not fucking fall on this wave because it was way bigger than anything I've ever even gotten close to paddling for. And the wave was so glassy and perfect. And the board works so good. It was a Padillac, which is like, you know, his main. Big wave board. You know, a lot of big wave guys ride that board. And freaking the drop just went perfect. You know, right or left? Going right into the cliff. So I'm like, I'm regular foot. I'm like, I just want to write, you know, like I don't want to start off my deal on a backside huge bomb. And so bottom turn. I remember I come down the face and the board just gliding like perfect. And you've been sitting on the jet ski for five two, minutes, or sorry, for two hours. Two hours. I was on the board for five minutes, and so, and then that set came, and boom, boom, boom. Next thing I know, I paddle in, and everything just went so perfect. Like I remember going down the face of this thing, and it was a long drop, and thinking this board better not cavitate or pearl because um, this is gonna be bad. Go down the face come off the bottom and coming off the bottom on those big boards is tricky right it's, it's huge and so come off the bottom and i remember looking up and then I look over and there's a huge cliff and it's and it's kind of a wedge closeout right that's kind of you what happened there, right? out, yeah. yeah and i'm like oh and i just bottom turn it was basically like a drop bottom turn and i need to get out of here and i remember just like bottom turn up and then i just went out the back and, and nick was right there and i was like Oh my god, that was the craziest thing that's ever happened. I was like tripping out, right? 
adrenaline overload. And he's like, get the fuck on the sled. And I, my wife's like, fuck. And I look behind me. There's a freaking bigger one. <laughs> and it's like breaking, right? Almost about to break. And I get on the sled, like it's total surreal out of body moment. And he turns around and pins it towards the beach. And I'm looking behind me like freaking avalanche. And he's a really good ski driver, luckily. And the thing broke like 10 feet behind us. And just exploded and we go out and then we cut out through the channel like there's these little channels there you know what i mean insane and it was like yeah i was like on the ski like dude that was the craziest ride of my life for sure and and he was super stoked for me obviously he was like i can't believe that just happened and i'm like out the back i'm like i'm good like i don't need to get another wave and i remember i i sat on the ski for a while and um and he huh. he started paddling because he was like, holy shit, like it's it's actually really firing from paddling. And, and it was his deal. So I'm like, dude, I got my wave. Go for it. And I remember he got a couple of sick ones. Then we came in uh, back to the harbor and the HBO guy, the filmer guy was like, dude, was that you on that right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what the hell? Like, Did they get it on film? Yeah. Like it was like on footage and... Uh, I haven't seen the HBO angle, but luckily Nick's guy got it. Um, and we stayed there for like four days because it was like multiple swells. And I ended up paddling for like a couple more days. And I like, I remember I'm like, I just want to make all my waves. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was my goal. <laughs> I just want to wipe out on one. Yeah. <laughs> the only wave I didn't make is because I, I got like a roll in. It wasn't nearly as big as that big one, but um, came off the bottom and I was trying to stop like you know like those rolling beach break things like sometimes you gotta kind of like stall the bottom turn to get barreled and I'm like I'm gonna get barreled like just think I'm the guy all of a sudden and then freaking the 10-6 just doesn't want to move once I want to get off the bottom and the lip I remember being like boom just landed on me exploded and the board hit me in the calf and it was like I thought I had broken my leg it was that gnarly and it, it was so much pain but luckily it was just a big bruise and I sat on the ski for like another hour and push through it um but that 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 trip ended up being like a pinnacle for my like i don't know life in a way because i could prove myself that i could like do this stuff like if i put myself in the position i can be in the same zone as the big dogs like dude i'm thinking about this like guys like nick they've prepared themselves Physically, mentally, mentally is is like the key. Yeah. And physically is the key too. But you did nothing. I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I come from like, I like just want to get barreled. And I, you know, I want to challenge myself. And then it all kind of intersected um, in that day. And Nick, I gave him the credit because he like allowed me to do that. He had his safety team in, in place. This guy, Sergio, who they call him the Angel of Nazareth, he saved more people there than anybody. He was there looking out for us. So it was like, it was safe as it could be, you know? <laughs> like, it's definitely not safe, but it's... But, you know... There was no prep talk. It wasn't covered. <laughs> there was no, like, hey, yeah. as soon as you... If you make the When the, the wave wakes yeah, yeah. don't be Immediately there. kick yeah. out, and, and I'm going to have to grab you, like, ace, like within yeah. seconds, oh, or yeah. we're cleaned. Oh. Like, there was... You know, because that would have put so much more stress oh on God. you versus just knowing that you're like, 
Just go. It was lucky it happened quick because I didn't have to think. It was just like boom, yeah. boom, boom. Sometimes that's the best but, way to break the But ice. that's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. or, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, you just tell me the story. And then I'm like, you know, you kick out. You're like, I can't believe I had to kick yeah. out between the cliffs coming at me. Yeah. Kick out two peaks. And he's right there. Yeah. But he freaked out on you. Like, you get on now. Yeah. Dude, or the look <laughs> on his face was serious. Like, get the hell on the like, ski. Was he on a ski? He was on a ski. And then there's another safety ski, so it was like, yeah, there's there's a lot of you know measures that go into place there that yeah. keep people alive. But you know how much more stress would have been like, hey, like if you fall, your 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 chances are you're gonna end up like on the cliff. Oh, yeah. dude, you know. And like I remember going to the hotel that night and like having a nice dinner and like and then we're all laying down for sleep and I'm like, dude, I gotta go back tomorrow. Like we got like four more days of this. Like, yeah, frick, it's so stressful being one of those guys. Like. I'm not one of those guys, but like to put yourself into that world, it's like it's next level, you know. Those guys like well, it sucks because you you already did it right, and these guys are like, oh, he's gonna do it again. Yeah, like I I know I they expect you to do it again, but uh, or else you're like the anxiety that the the night before brings to to (laughs) me, and I know those guys feel it too. It's like. I think it's part of it for them, but it's 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 totally different level of surfing. And like I said, I'm not a big wave guy, but I know I can do it. And that was like part of the cool part about it was like, okay, dude, and, you and conquered. Thinking yeah. about <clears throat> a ten six board, right? It's so big. <laughs> like the idea, and how thick is that fucking thing? They're like three and three quarters or something. Like yeah, three and a half. It's a fucking thick board, yeah. right? And and when you're when you're a big wave surfer, like I said, there's preparation to that. Like you you gotta like know your equipment. You're like you in gotta the pools, freaking breath holes. Yeah, you you gotta like do the Wim Hof thing. Like there's all those things that you prepare. Yeah, expand your lungs. Yeah, get your mind right. All those things, and you bypassed all of it. <laughs> You know, I know. At, I was like, the, "What the heck?" At the one of the most premier places, there's like, and the hundred foot wave movie was being filmed. That yeah, yeah, like, it was a like total surreal like moment. Mavericks, Totos, Jaws, Jaws. Yeah, there's only hours or whatever. There's I don't only know. A couple big big waves yeah, in the world, and here you are, a kid from Laguna that. Yeah. I was just gonna go get sure. precocious and a couple point breaks, yeah, a couple exactly. slabs, and just go rip. Like, yeah. And then I'm on Nick's program, and that was like the, you know, what cemented my whole deal with getting that wave. And it's like that's how surfing goes. Like, all of a sudden you're at a wave that you didn't really know you're gonna be at, and then you're testing your ability. And like I said before, I just like just to show myself I could do something. You know, I feel like there's a big part of surfing and it's getting. Progressing in surfing, when you get to a certain point, you really need to test yourself and yeah, and sh- figure out if you got what it takes or not. And like, I would have been on the cliff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, just I would have been worried that I would have faked cleaned an injury. up, cleaned up by, <laughs> so, on the on the ski. Another like. thing about that day, we never even checked it, <laughs> and I was like, we opened the cam. It was like you know what. Surfline cam, it's hard to tell what's going on. And so I think that helped me, like, not seeing it before. From the front-on angle, it's super gnarly, you know, obviously. When you're in the ocean on a jet ski kind of out the back, it's like, what's going yeah. on, you know? It doesn't, like, equate. It's big moving swells. It's, yeah, it's like and... these big lumps and stuff. But um, 
Dude, yeah, that like, it's it's so wild. It looks weird. It doesn't look real. It, it wasn't even moves. like. I mean, I I went to Portugal so many times, and it wasn't even like a wave on the anybody's radar back. You know, because yeah. it was so dangerous before they had safety in place. Yeah, yeah. like until you heard about it, but like yeah. it wasn't really like a search. It's kind of like Chopu, you know, yeah. like yeah. into the road. You know, it was like. Yeah, they knew the wave existed. It was like not really ridden, and the bodyboarders kind of started tackling. So you know, like you get a few crazies ago, and then all of a sudden they're like, Wait. "Did you write an article about it or that uh, experience?" I did some stuff with Rourke. I made a video. I ended up surfing the cave two days later, which is like another freaking death-defying wave in Portugal. I got lucky that wave broke. Um, Where's that at? It's near Coches. It's okay. just down the way. And it, you've probably seen slab. footage of it. Yeah, gnarly yeah. slab. It goes dry halfway through the wave. Yeah. Like an actual pinnacle rock can stick out. Yeah, Arisera. And that session was crazy too because my first wave, there's me and Tom Lowe were the only guys paddling. And Nick and those guys were towing. And my first wave, I made a barrel and got spit out. And uh, there weren't that many makes that day. And then I remember we came in. And Nick was like, dude, that was the first day I've ever surfed there where nobody got hurt. Like, <laughs> I'm all, thanks for telling me yeah. after the session. Like, <laughs> people break their back. People get Fuck. spinal. It's so dangerous. Um, yeah, you're just getting fucking pitched on drugs. Because it's like, I got pitched a couple times that day. Luckily, I got just kind of like washed over the dry part. But because I fell on the takeoff and if you fall halfway through the wave, that's where this gets dangerous. But uh, that trip was one of those ones Nick's where I was like, like that whole holy like shit back to that not scare you, dude. And yeah, but like that's a good thing. Or a when bad you roll thing. with a guy like Nick, it's like you just get thrown into these like crazy Heavy situations. situations. And luckily, oh, I was you like, made it. Yeah, I was at the Forgot point. To tell you, <laughs> I was just at the point in my surf life where I tested myself in different scenarios and I could push myself over the ledge and make it happen so it's kind of that's kind of where i get you know i just get to another level with my surfing because you can't really do that around here you can (laughs) (laughs) you can surf and get better and you know keep on the board but you got to go out and track down these sessions that are going to change like your life basically yeah so that's kind of where i'm at um just trying to like find those waves and and get out there you know yeah um, so crazy. The the post you did yesterday, or you just made an edit? Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. us about that. So, yeah, it's called From Here to Sunday, which is basically, I came up with that because it's, it's kind of like a mix of, of locations around the world. Um, starts in Tahiti and, and the Tuamotus in the north, which we did with Rourke. Um, ended up scoring this super fun right. And then went to Chopu last September, so I put that footage together, had some Mexico stuff, and then I went to Puerto Rico last year, and we got those big slabs, those like scary, freaking, gnarly waves in front of rocks and stuff. And that was another one of the ones, kind of like um, Portugal, where I was just in Puerto Rico, and then two big swells lined up, and I ended up extending a couple of days for them, and um, getting a surf with the locals, Ali Moreira, and a couple guys that were like unknown. So it was kind of cool vibe in the water. So that footage, um, those that, those sessions in Puerto Rico ended up being the gnarliest waves I surfed last year. And wow, so Puerto I, Rico, dude! 
<clears throat> super gnarly and it's like hawaii it's like, there yeah it's a hawaii of the caribbean it's yeah. so gnarly how much power is in the water and the rocks are so close and sharp so i just put that footage together ended up editing it myself um and just like throwing it on my youtube because um that's where and everything the, lives these days what's the youtube nate zoller, nate zoller. yeah so check it out check it out <laughs> yeah and so ne- on to the next project what's the next project uh you know, keeping it a little under wraps, but um, it's going to have a mix of everything, you know, storytelling. I want to dig, dig a little deeper into um, the people that I meet on the road and, you know, mix that with the surf and a little bit more of my backstory um, because, you know, other than talking with you guys, you know, it's like I've just focused more on like showing what how I can surf, but I feel like, you know, there's a lot more to surfing than just the actual surfing you know yeah there's a lot of stories to be told so yeah that's kind of my goal this year is to uh to now keep, you the, keep the ball freelancing rolling. still yes yeah, st- still writing um still doing work for other brands like electric uh Dekine, um pretty much whatever comes my way um keeps me busy and i enjoy it so it's a good balance you know surfing and so if people want you to do some work for them yeah uh natezoller.com my website so um and that's z-o-l-l-e-r z-o-l-l-e-r yeah and so i do you know copywriting storytelling i'll produce trips for brands like i've done stuff for yeti yeah so it's everything to pump up neon wave how did you how did you connect with neon wave that's cool because one of my good friends uh jeff wines is an artist and he was doing work commissioned um, by Fred Rinaldi, um, who started Neon Wave. And um, he was starting to build his team. Uh, once the store was getting up and running, he's all, we need to get some guys. He asked Jeff if he knew anybody. And I was, I've been super close with Jeff. So he's threw my name in the hat. We got on a call. And uh, it was kind of like the perfect fit, you know, like, we gelled right away and um, they've helped support me and and help me get on these tricks and, and I'll, I'll bring back stuff, content for them. They have a rad blog division and, you know, tell the stories and help build their brand. So, yeah, they're awesome. And, and they just opened a store in Stowe, Vermont. I'm going to go check it out next month and go Sweet. do like a bank slalom snowboard contest that they do, the Blavelt Bank. So, yeah, they're gnarly. Yeah. They're coming up, and and I'm stoked to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, who are your sponsors now? Uh, Rourke, uh, Neon Wave, Electric, um, Dekine, uh, True Ames Fins. Um, they make rad fins. Um, I get boards from Stretch sometimes. He makes rad boards. Um, He's Chris- kind of got a big wave thing going yeah i was too, just huh? gonna say he, he makes... makes really good big wave boards and also really good small wave boards like yeah. rad nathan fletcher's kind of skatey like super crazy poppy boards um and then christensen will make some of my barrel riders and bigger wave boards so you I know just, i met him at uh surf expo yeah he's a good dude. dude we're yeah. gonna get him on the podcast too. you got to because yeah you know he's got a crazy um team of guys you know greg long and ian walsh and stuff and so it's like you can trust his boards yeah in the bigger ways which is you know you trust with your life so yeah you know keeping it going and stoked to be doing what i'm doing and you know you only got one life so gotta live it up (laughs) dude for sure i'm looking at this cloud break break bomb oh my god (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I uh, I work as a volunteer Cat lifeguard boat. at boatman at Tavarua, so that helps me yeah. get out there. Hopefully, once a year, twice a year, if I'm lucky. So, you know, it's, and how do people do that? Like, you just throw your name in the hat, and then they yeah. So Eric Frog Nelson is from Laguna, yeah. and Sly Dog from Laguna. They both were like the first type of boatmen. So when I was growing up, they uh, they were doing it. And I was like, that's oh, the dream, and I was just kind of like, I want to do it. I want to do it. And there was, they were not hiring for years and years and years. And then some of the old boatmen started getting a little older and they're like starting families. They can't be out there all the time. And so they finally started taking guys. And I remember putting my name in the hat and uh, I trained under like a Mayan Goodwin who was like an OG boatman. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been awesome. I've spent probably like seven months of my life on that island. And just getting to see it every day. And, yeah, yeah, you're kind of like living a perfect surf trip for we love to as say as long it. as you could stay. Yeah, right? exactly. We, <clears throat> every day is different there. We love to say it's the perfect way to mix business with pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> and you get to meet rad people every That's week. That's it. Some every new, week, a new cool group of people come by, and you know you're on the boat with them, and they're like let their guard down. They're not the freaking guy they are at home, and yeah, you know it's like you get to have these conversations and. Yeah, it's just like another rad part of surfing, you know, bringing people together. Do you surprise yeah. on how many people charge that are just average surfers? Or, do you know, like... It's kind of a mix of both. Like, you yeah. get guys that kind of, like, have the quiver, and you get out to cloud break, and it's freaking on, and it's the real deal, and it's the pipeline point, you know? It's yeah. not freaking easy. It's not and right. they're like, I've showed up, and there's a boat full of guys, and nobody wants a piece. And I'm yeah. like, what? It's firing. Nobody out. I'm always on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it, you know, it's like they work, you know, jobs all year. Then they're like, they're not quite ready yeah, for what they wife, see. kids, hasn't been in a big wave like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a photo of Cloudbreak, like, ah, oh, it looks so easy. And then you get out there, you're like, it's 300 it's, yard playing field. And yeah. it's a lot of water. waves of consequence. It's so pounded. thick. Yeah. yeah. So, a lot of- and then you have guys that are like sending it and getting like bombs and they're just like, you know, everyday Joes, but they just, they just want a piece. So it's, yeah. it's cool to see that mix. And then you see some pros come through. And I remember being out there one day and it was fucking big. Like it was teetering on that, like proper bowl. Code the red back. style. No. Like second ledge. Like, like second ledge was like, and Alex Gray comes like palling by everybody, you know, on like a big, you know, big yeah, board. Like he's ready. He just goes like 200 yards past everybody and there's like you know it wasn't like the sets everyone was breaking on that but yeah. he was just he would just wait and like sure enough you just see a whole ocean just like wall everybody's uh-huh. just scratching Do the and he's going tour. that way yeah. everybody's going this way he's going that way and we're just watching him just freaking yeah. just take off on bombs yeah it's one of those guys i'm like oh my gosh yeah oh, no piece of this yeah. <laughs> but those guys i mean that it's like you got to have they have a doctor, you know, that, you know, like what you guys do yeah. is water safety. They also have like yeah. proper, you know. Yeah, do- like we're do- in charge of getting the guests safely back to the island, whether they get a cut or an injury of some sort, you get them on the boat, you get them on the island, and then the doctor takes over. And yeah. that's kind of like how it works out there because it happens a lot out there. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot. So it'd probably happen if I went out there. This, this guy gets so hammered. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Then. yeah. Yeah. Well, shoot. Yeah. Freaking epic, man. Two yes. hours into it. Yeah. Thank um, you. Before you leave, we'd like to give you some parting gifts from our sponsors. Sweet. You know, Shade Sunscreen. Yes. Always need sunscreen. Strider. 
I'm sure you've seen Strider over there on Tavi. Dude, that guy's a loke. <laughs> um, some bonsai bowl gift cards for free bowls at oh, bonsai yeah. bowls. Yep. Um, we got you some loose towels. I don't yeah. know if you golf, but we got a golf towel and then a, 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 a matching towel. little set. Oh, epic. I do golf. Right? And then we wanted to thank our sponsors, Finless Skateboards. Yep. They make uh, handmade, authentic, kind of like a, a throwback to... Oh, yeah. Tons of hells in Laguna to cruise down on that Look thing. at that. We got him, you know, Laguna service for <laughs> Yeah. Earth, you don't buy for them anymore. Oh, geez. No, but he's from Laguna. He's from we Laguna. Oh, yeah. Those guys. Yeah, um, so Earth the boys. makes all the, your merchandise merchandise oh, nice. bags and yeah, packaging yeah. needs. Yep. You got Harbor. You got Hobie. You got Caballero pools and spas if you ever want to redo your uh Like Steve Caballero? No, Mark Cavalier. I'm like, does he make pools? <laughs> yeah, he skates them. I know. Yeah, I was skate. like, oh, um, Rowdy makes his own. Another big shout out. We just did a um, a podcast at the Dana Point Hobie Shops. Cheers to their 70 years. Nice. 70 Huge. years in Surf wow. Shop Temple of Stoke. The That's OGs crazy. of surf industry. Yeah. yeah. But um, Nate, Nate Dog Zoller. Thanks oh. for coming on the show and sharing your stories. We didn't appreciate ask it. you about a wipeout, but we'll, we'll save that for the next one. Yeah, there's when, plenty when, of those. When your project comes out, let us know. We'll yeah. de- definitely yeah. be stoked to hear it and right. pump yeah. it. Hell yeah. I'm okay. excited to show Keep you Keep charging. Keep yeah. traveling, bud. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nate. Woo! Peace. Bonsai Bowls. Hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls. Go get some. Ashland hard seltzer made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland hard seltzer. Shade sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. sunscreen. (laughs) Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at inherentbummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.